0: Thanks for tuning in to our bonus episode preview. This is just a short sample of this week's exclusive Patreon episode. You can hear the episode in its entirety by becoming a member at patreon.com slash indoctrination where you'll gain access to all of our exclusive episodes and merchandise. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into another Patreon exclusive bonus episode. Your support helps to keep the show on the air. So thank you. Thank you so much for partnering with us. For this episode, we're presenting my full conversation with Khalil Ecolona from 2021 in an episode of his show, No More Normal on New Mexico Public Radio. Only a short excerpt of this informative interview made it on the air so we wanted to present the full interview exclusively for our supporters the episode titled Walking Back Extremism focuses on the rise of QAnon and extremist politics in the wake of the pandemic a link to that original radio broadcast is available in the show notes in addition to Khalil's pandemic focused radio show on KUNM in Albuquerque He's also served as the co-host of Good Day New Mexico and as a correspondent with New Mexico PBS. He's currently a correspondent for Nashville Public Radio. And here is my full conversation with Khalil now.
1: Rachel Bernstein is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and educator, and the host of the Indoctrination podcast, which covers cults, manipulators, and how to protect yourself from systems of control. She's the perfect guest for this episode. Rachel, welcome to No More Normal. Thanks so much for being with me.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And I also love the name of your show. It is perfect.
1: Yes, it, it's, it really is No More Normal. And really thinking about it, we were trying to come up with something that really hit to the times and- We've been talking in conversation. I'm like, the normal of 2019 is not coming back. So it's time for us to readjust to establish a new normal, which is going to take many years to set in place. So since then, you know, everything is literally up in the air.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. And just in keeping with that, and I know you have questions for me, but I just wanted to say that I talk a lot about how. There's a desensitization to what would typically sound, quote-unquote, crazy and paranoid and delusional. And now it's just become sort of uh, part of the everyday lexicon. And I am concerned about that desensitization because there isn't a normal necessarily. I don't know if there's ever been anything that's been, quote-unquote, normal. But now it is so out of bounds and so off the rails that I think people have really lost perspective because they just hear what's so out there over and over and over
1: again. Let me ask you about that because I talked to another guest who mentioned how in the lexicon, in the language that we use with each other, it's a lot of cliché. And they're not necessarily specific terms to describe where we're at. And I've kind of adopted to that philosophy as well for years. It was a little bit of a frustrating point when I'd hear people talk, I've got nothing against people going to going to therapy. I've got nothing against people particularly who've never had the tools or the language to describe what they've been through. But I feel that the way we use that language, it feels like it's this catch-all that's supposed to describe the nuances of how people feel and the nuanced situations that they find themselves in and it continues to come up short. Do you agree or do you see it that way?
0: I mean, I think so. I I, I have, I, I bristle at um, certain quotes in certain ways that people talk. Uh, and uh, when they say, you know, I really, I want to have a, m- a meeting with you so we can be on the same page, you know, those kinds yeah. of phrases. I just yes. Go, uh, stop saying that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, uh, yeah, I think that it's sometimes either lazy speech because people aren't finding their own way of translating what's really true and unique for them in their experience. Uh, Or they think it's, I think to a certain degree, unifying. Mm -hmm. If they can have the same expression and the same way to express it, then they're like the other people who have said or have felt the same things. Mm -hmm. So I think there are a lot of reasons that we do it. And yes, it it is limiting and it usually doesn't get quite to
1: the point. Yeah, it's like this societal public litmus test that we mm-hmm. use. And it prevails on social media, where a lot of people get to, you know, get applause or jeers for their <laughs> thoughts and expressing them. And I kind of want to go into that social media. We're seeing a lot of people in the past few years become, uh, adopt extremist views, ideologies. QAnon lives in social media. It's a creation of the internet Have you seen an uptick in people coming to you for help as far as trying to talk to friends and loved ones who have adopted extremist views, beliefs, and ideologies?
0: I have seen an incredible uptick, actually a a saturation. Hmm. Uh, I barely have any time to, uh, to meet with people. I'm now working six days a week. I have to have an automatic message on my my email account that says I can't take any more clients. I've never had that happen. Wow. I mean, I, I I have always had a full practice but to the point where I'm just so saturated because of the not only the amount of clients I I have now but the people who Mm, day by day or contacting me. It is just this flow of emails and calls and with a lot of desperation um, because there is something very intense about this experience where it's not like mm, a loved one got involved in something and you don't really know if it's safe or not and can they check it out with me? And it has kind of a um, a, a less anxious cadence to it. Mm-hmm. But now it's, I don't know what to do. I can't stand being in the same room as fill-in-the-blank yeah. um, and this person now says that he's going to be getting rid of all of his identity papers and just not being a citizen anymore of this country because of this and that and I'm in danger and or we're getting together with relatives tomorrow night. I now hate them all mm. <laughs> because they won't, not only do they disagree with me, but they need to talk to me about how stupid I am and, you know, they become so insulting and it's in so incendiary and so they're. There is that intensity about it that Mm -hmm. really is quite remarkable.
1: Now, in these tense situations with family, someone who has to go to a relative's place and, Mm -hmm. you know, finding that folks who kind of I don't want to call I'm not going to call it going off the deep end, but folks who adhere to these extreme beliefs and ideologies Mm -hmm. when you're talking to them. It's, I think it's, is it important to be mindful of how you speak to people? Because it feels like if you come at them, lambasting them, castigating them for having these beliefs and you criticize them, you feel, what What are the chances that they're going to go deeper into their belief system?
0: Uh, the chances are great that they're going to go deeper and the chances are even greater that they'll disconnect from you. Mm. And you won't then be a resource to them of what you might see as kind of logic and the truth. A lot of the the trouble comes where you feel that your role is to combat and to um, be the fact checker for someone else's life and their beliefs. That's not going to go well. And so I think you're right. It, if even if the other person is really coming at you and is really intense and is talking down to you and is quoting their quote-unquote facts, and I'm using air quotes. Yes. For anyone I can't see it. Um, they're very sure of their facts because they're caught up in this closed loop of information. So they have their facts, their quote-unquote facts, verified by other quote-unquote facts. Yes. And it just keeps going and going. So if you come in with potentially actual facts... There's no patience for it. There's no room for it. You're attacking, or you're you're the sheep. You're the closed-minded one. You're the one who's gonna. Um, who's not going to be able to protect themselves and uh, or you're the one who's being influenced. You're the manipulated one. You're the brainwashed one. That's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And so it is better to start if you can, by maintaining some semblance of a conversation and diplomacy, no matter what's coming at you, just so the other person can uh, not feel like you're going to take the bait also and just, and have it devolve into a fight when it was meant as a conversation.
1: That seems like a balance between critical thinking and emotion which modern society doesn't seem that many people have a good handle on being able to do. Uh, critically think while keeping our emotions at bay and it, you know, in doing a lot of reading, it just came up that a lot of folks who adhere to these thoughts and ideologies are really lonely. They don't have much going on. They want something bigger than themselves to believe in. Case in point uh, with Pizzagate, a lot of people... I think most people would be abhorred to hear about the abuse of children, obviously. Mm -hmm. These people Mm -hmm. wanted to go out and help the children. Therefore, they put a lot of their energy into Pizzagate. What are some strategies? If you have someone who's all about Pizzagate, how can I get them to recognize other ways that they can help kids rather than these extreme beliefs?
0: Right. So it's a good question because um, what's at play here is that when you say, you know, how can you offer them some other ways that they can help children? I, I see it as how can you help them a way to help children? Because Mm. this is not, this has not helped one child. Yeah, This has not protected anybody. Um, This has fueled a lot of uh, division and paranoia. It has highlighted something that is true, though, because often there is this, this root of truth, that there are children who are in danger, many who are in danger right now. And so much more needs to be done to protect them and to get them out of situations where they're being trafficked, where they're being sexually abused, where they're being held against their will. That is a fact. And it's also a fact that the people in QAnon have not helped one child. hmm So, if you say, I love the fact that you care, this is awesome. The world would be a better place if there were people who cared to the degree that you care. Let's see if your caring, though, is being used in a way that makes it kind of worth your effort and time going in this direction. Mm. And let's see if there's any kind of stat on, of course, they're going to have their own stats. But uh, if we can find any child protective agencies who have said, or we can even call them um, to find out how many children uh, have been protected and saved, even the organization missing and exploited children, let's call them. How, How much has QAnon helped their efforts? And let's find out together if your goodwill and your heart and your energy is being used in the way that you're hoping? And if not, how do we sit, kind of switch gears? And, and in that way, you're kind of finding the link. You're finding what is at the root of it, that here this person is caring. Um, my bias will be, to be honest, I want them to know that it's effort that's wasted. Mm -hmm. And again, I really do think that more people in this world should take action and should do things. So I hate to think that people are just of the impression that they're doing something, but really all of that effort is wasted.